This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Uh, right now we're going to go to the phone lines. And last week we ran a repeat of Dr. History, and it just wasn't the same as having the real friendly voice of our little curmudgeon. Good morning, Doctor. How are you? Good morning, Zeb. How you doing today? <laughs> I didn't know I'd call you a curmudgeon. I'm not sure what that is, but I think it's good. Uh, on a scale of 1 to 10, 1 being really bad, 10 being good, you're probably at a 5.5. That's okay. I'll take that as a compliment. Okay. <laughs> How are you, old curmudgeon? I'm doing good. I'm doing great. I've got to tell you a little bit about... I was gone, uh-huh. of course. I was in St. George. Yeah. And I've got to tell you, I was down there participating in the Huntsman World Senior Olympics. Oh, are you playing basketball again? I've got to brag just a little bit. Okay. Okay, I won a bronze medal in the free throw shooting three-point contest. No. Yes. I had 35 out of 43 points. I made 20 out of 25 free throws, five out of six three-pointers, and came home with the bronze medal. Holy buckets. LeBron James better hold on to your contract, buddy. Here he comes. I'm I'm just waiting for the phone to ring. You're going to be the point guard in place of Kobe. That's right. (laughs) Now, another thing that I did down there that I've got to tell you, I was on the golf course, and there was a fellow in front of us that was uh, walking fairly slowly, and anyway, we finally caught up with him. His name was Don Porter, 98 years old. Oh. And as I visited with him, he was from Circleville, Utah. Uh-huh. He shook the hand of Butch Cassidy. Holy cow. So Did- I had to shake the hand of the hand that shook the hand of Butch Cassidy. Oh, my goodness. And in the other hand, he had his billfold, so Butch wouldn't take it out of his Wranglers. That's right. <laughs> so, anyway, I was kind of neat to run into a guy out on the golf course that actually knew Butch Cassidy. Oh, my goodness. Well, it sounds to me, while we were working away, you were having fun and frolic. I was. It was a good time down St. George. Well, let me tell you something before we get started here real quick. Um, may I have your autograph so I can put your picture of your knobby little white legs up on my uh, wall showing you playing basketball? I can do that. I'll, I'll, I'll have one taken and send it to you. Uh, it'll probably keep me awake at night, but that's all right. That's true. <laughs> okay. That's true. <laughs> Congratulations. I'm proud of you. Well, thank you. Thank you. Okay. Now, I need you to know something at about uh, 10 minutes into your story. Give me a time for a break because we've got a lot of commercials. Okay, we can do that. All right, thank you. Okay, today's story is about a guy that I'm sure nobody has ever heard about. His name is James Ohio Patty. Oh, my. Nobody's heard of this guy, but uh, anyway, you'll see as we go along here. Uh, anyway, as America pushed westward, you know, there was a breed of restless men that just always wanted to leave the settlements and move deeper into the wilderness, you know, men like Daniel Boone. And one of these men was this guy named James Ohio Patty. Mm-hmm. And it was his nature to uh, look for adventure. 
His father, Sylvester, had brought his family out of Virginia to the Kentucky frontier, then farther west to Missouri. And there, Sylvester operated a sawmill, and his boy, James Ohio, probably sawed logs and, and hauled wood and one thing or another. But anyway, when young James's mother died of tuberculosis, uh, Sylvester Patty looked at his brood of nine children and began parceling them out among relatives and friends. Mm-hmm. Then he and his oldest son, James Ohio, who is now 20 years old, struck out for the western mountains, and Sylvester, Sylvester Patty actually never saw the rest of his children again in his life. Oh, my goodness. He had a daughter by the name of Cow. Could have been. Cow Patty. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, anyway, his plan was to go up to Missouri into the Rocky Mountains and set himself up as a fur trap trader and trapper. Uh, the fur business was flourishing, and others were leaving for the mountains. Patty found three other men to join the party, and the five future beaver trappers set out with ten horses, carrying their traps, blankets, guns, ammunition, knives, tomahawks, utensils, and other goods that were essential for trading with the Indians. Mm -hmm. Well, they were scarcely underway up the Missouri before they ran into their first serious trouble. Oh, boy. At Council Bluffs, the commanding officer called Patty in and asked to inspect his permit for going into Indian territory as a trader. Mm-hmm. Now, the fact that they needed a permit came as a complete surprise to Sylvester Patty, as, you know, and so he had to make the hard decision. Um, he had already talked with others that headed southwest, so they altered their course and turned towards Santa Fe. I see. Now, I'd never heard that they needed a permit. I didn't either. I mean, that's this is the first I've ever read that somebody needs a permit we had, to go trapping. We had bureaucracy even back then. Yeah, that's true. So anyway, this was the beginning of several years of pretty incredible adventures, and we know much of what happened to Sylvester Patty and his son James Ohio during these years because James Ohio Patty left one of the most interesting journals of any of the mountain men. Okay. And his book leaves us a valuable look at the life and wanderings of these mountain men. Mm-hmm. And he, you know, one of the few people that ever did such a thing. So it, it's pretty accurate, other than maybe some bragging things that he uh, overemphasized. But anyway, the route led the party westward from Council Bluffs through what is now Nebraska, Kansas, and on towards Taos, New Mexico. Now, Taos was then an important center for fur trappers working for the southern part of the Rocky Mountains. And it was here that trappers could replenish supplies and live in relative comfort between trapping seasons. Okay. Now, James Ohio Patty's travels would take him across Arizona, deep into Mexico, onto the Pacific Ocean, as far north as San Francisco, and he laid, made at least one trip up here into the northern Rockies. Oh, really? Yeah. So he traveled a long ways, but by his own account, uh, life in the Southwest was one conflict after another. Now, when Patty and his father arrived in Santa Fe, they requested of the governor that he grant them a license to trap. And again, that's the first I've heard of needing a license. Yeah. But anyway, the Patty's chance for obtaining the needed permits were slight. But the night before they were to hear the governor's decision, there's a whole bunch of alarms suddenly awakened the entire town. A messenger brought news that the Comanches had robbed and murdered a number of people on outlying farms and had taken four women as prisoners. Oh, boy. Now, one of them was a gal by the name of Jacova. Mm-hmm. Can remember that name? Jacova. I'm writing it down. Jacova. Okay. A beautiful daughter of a former governor. Mm-hmm. Well, the following morning, the 
fully armed mountain men joined Spanish troops and set off to rescue the captives. Okay. Well, the fourth day they spotted the Indians and put themselves in a position to intercept the column. Now, the risky plan was for the American sharpshooters to shoot the Indians closest to the prisoners before the Comanches could kill their captives. I see. Now, at the head of the column were the women, and they were driving the stolen sheep and horses. So the riflemen allowed the column to come within about 30 or 40 yards, and they commenced firing. Well, unfortunately, three of the four captive women were killed immediately. Now, Jacoba uh, ran straight for Patty. Uh-oh. And he, of course, uh, gallantly stopped shooting just long enough to wrap her in a blanket and comfort the, the young lady. And young Patty was thanked and praised by beautiful Jacoba for his bravery. Oh, my. And that's the beginning of a, a bit of a romance. Oh. So, predictably, they were granted their trapping permit and soon set off to trap. They trapped more than the permit. They did, indeed. They soon trapped about 250 beaver. They stretched and dried the skins on hoops made of saplings, which is what they usually did. And then, of course, they ate the meat. Now, he had some experiences with grizzly bears that I'm going to talk about. Uh, And grizzly bears seem to be almost as common as beavers. And Patty looked upon the bears as kind of something that uh, they needed to be taught a lesson. Uh, which was a little brave of him. Mm-hmm. But besides chasing and killing grizzlies, uh, it was kind of rare sport for this Missouri squirrel hunter. Well, one morning, Patty and a, and, a, and a companion came upon a cave at the foot of a cliff. Now, Patty convinced the guy, his partner, that uh, the cave harbored a bear. Now, Patty never hesitated to or questioned the wisdom of disturbing the bear in his slumbers. So he must have explained his plan to his companion, and... Uh, he said, now we both go in together. This way we can confuse the bear and stand a better chance of shooting the old grizzly. Confuse the bear, yeah. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> now, uh, wisely, his buddy said, uh, no thanks. Uh-huh. Uh, he didn't have any desire to go into a cave with a grizzly bear that uh, might be awakened unexpectedly. Oh. So Patty, Patty prepared to handle the bear alone. He wasn't, he wasn't exactly the sharpest knife in the drawer, was he? No, no. So we'll keep going here. He fashioned a torch, and his plan called for confronting the bear head on. Uh-huh. He tied some pine knots to a pole and struck a fire to light his torch. I see. So holding the flaming sticks out in front of him, uh, he moved slowly into the cave. Some distance into the darkness, a huge grizzly bear stood up about seven feet in front of him. Seven feet? Yeah. Uh-huh. And the chamber echoed with its roaring roars. Yeah. I'm giving you some so, sound effects here, no charge. Okay, so Patty said, I leveled my gun and shot him between the eyes and began to retreat. No, whoa, whoa, whoa. he shot him between the eyes and began and to retreat. Began to retreat. Uh-huh. So, as the trapper whirled in his haste and headed for the exit, he stumbled and fell. Oh, no. This put his torch out. Oh, boy. Behind him, the wounded bear thrashed about and bellowed, and Patty scrambled from the cave, and uh, he dropped his gun in his rush to escape. He was really talented. Yeah, he was good, wasn't he? Yeah. Well, so later, they made a new torch, and he borrowed a gun from his buddy, and he crawled back into the cave. He went back in the cave? He went back into the cave, but the bear was dead. So that kind of gives you an idea of the thinking of this guy. Thinking. So, anyway, there were days in the mountains when the trappers could find no wild game for food, you know, and 
when the trapping was good, they could live on beaver, but sometimes their traps waited empty for days at a time. So Patty reported that on one of these days, when there wasn't much food, his party of seven trappers had a raven for breakfast. A raven? And later in the day, they shot and ate a vulture. Oh, my. Now, I can't imagine that being uh, all that tasty, but I I've, guess when you're hungry. I've heard of having old crow for the dinner hour, but not like that. Right, right. <laughs> well... They made their way back to the governor's house where the beautiful Jacoba greeted the young trappers if he were a prince, you know, and the next went, uh, they next went to recover a cache of beaver skins they had hidden, only to find that someone had discovered the furs and made away with 250 skins. Oh, no. So they figured that the Indians probably had done this. Shame on them. So about this time, Patty's father, Sylvester, accepted an offer to stay and work in a copper mine right there, but... James, Ohio, he set off on another long trapping journey, and he soon encountered a band of Indians who had his father's horse. Oh, oh. Not good. Plot thickens. So he still recognized uh, the horse by the halter it wore. Yeah. Well, the young trapper and his companions discussed the matter with the Indians, uh-huh. and while they talked, they held their cocked guns pointed at the Indians' chest. Oh, oh. And the Indians not only returned the horse, but also gave back 150 of the beaver hides they still had. See, they had some ethics. They did. The trappers and the Indians parted friends, uh, sort of. You know. So. Well, wouldn't you be friendly with somebody holding a hawking 50 caliber on your chest? I, I think that would tend to make me want to be friends. Yeah, I'd give them the teepee, too. Yes. <laughs> Well, once more, he visited the beautiful Jacoba, who oh, yeah. forced him to cease his running but uh, about among the dangerous Indians and the bears, but that was not to be. His answer was to organize another trapping trip with about 15 other American trappers, and all was proceeding well enough, and the trappers were finding wild game to eat and beaver to trap when they suddenly met a war party of Mescalero Indians. Now we're back in trouble again. Okay, so here we are. The shower of arrows sent the trappers dodging behind trees. Oh, my goodness. Now, arrows were the only weapons this tribe possessed, but the mescaleros proved themselves to be exceptionally good bowmen. I see. I mean, they were excellent shots. Mm-hmm. So, in this kind of skirmish, the trappers drove off the mescaleros but lost one of their companions and had two more injured, one of whom was Patty. Oh, he got hit with an arrow? Well, two. One arrow was deeply embedded in his hip, another in his chest. In his chest? In his chest. Now, uh, one of the trappers succeeding in cut, cutting the arrow point out of his chest with his butcher knife. Butcher knife? Yes. But part of the point in his hip had to be left there. Uh, he couldn't dig it out, I guess. Huh. So, again, that's uh, trapper medicine. They well, were the digging in his... Navajo Indians, and the Navajos accompanied the trappers for some time, and oh, yeah, yeah. while a medicine man treated Patty with some kind of a healing salve that made his injuries bearable, I guess. I see. Well, after some more trapping, he met a few of the trappers who had come out to the southwest with the original party, and Patty asked about the men he knew from that earlier trip, and he was told that 116 men who came into the Southwest together, only 16 remained alive. A hundred of them had been lost, shot, killed, died for whatever reason. Well, they went into caves to try to get bears. Yeah, that wasn't a good thing. No. So, but Patty continued his adventures in the Southwest. In one fight with an enraged female grizzly, he waited until the bear was within six feet and fired at her head only to have his gun misfire. Uh-oh. So he jumped over a cliff, cracked his chawbone, 
uh, knocked himself out on the rocks below. And when he woke up, he finds that his companions were uh, doing the current medical treatment, which was uh, bleeding him, even though he was bleeding from his chin. Uh-huh. So within an hour, he recovered enough that the two trappers decided they could now finish what they started, so they went after the bear. Well, neither bears nor Indians, however, presented uh, the patties with as serious a threat as did some of the Spanish officials. Now, upon their arrival from one of their journeys, the governor seized all their valuable furs, claiming that they were taken without the proper permit. Oh, here we go again with your doggone permits. Yeah. So he then locked the trappers in a stone jail where they stayed week after week, and unfortunately, this is where Sylvester, the dad, died in his cell during this period. Oh, I see. Well, Patty might also have died in jail, except that word arrives of an outbreak of smallpox approaching the city. Oh, my. Now, Patty knew how to vaccinate people against smallpox. And where he learned this, who knows? But he was released and promised payment to travel up and down the coast of California, dispensing vaccine vaccine to both the white people and the Indians. Uh-huh. So he then learned that he was to be rewarded with a thousand head of livestock and the land to graze them, provided he would convert to Catholicism and become a Spanish citizen. Now, that wouldn't be too bad, but uh, Patty said, in effect, that he would just as soon be dead as do that. He wasn't the brightest guy in the whole story land, was he? No, he wasn't. And then to avoid being hanged for being such an honorary cuss, he made a rapid departure and... Anyway, in time, he made his way up the Mississippi, then up the Ohio, and he had no money to show for six hazardous years in the Southwest, but he hoped to sell his story. Yeah. Well, he got into Cincinnati and met a guy named Timothy Flint, who was an educated man and a writer and an editor and one thing or another. Okay. This Flint guy actually then recorded uh, this personal narrative of James Ohio Patty. Holy smokes. And so basically, he saved an important segment of the wild adventures of the mountain men, Tales that would otherwise have been lost, you know. So, but at last, after wandering over more of the West than most of the mountain men ever saw, uh, James Ohio Patty was back in t- Kentucky. But his boyhood world had changed. The forests were disappearing. He scarcely recognized his feeble old grandfather. And uh, James Ohio sought out his brothers and sisters, but they were now strangers to him because he hadn't seen them for six years. Well, sure. So, but for a time, he remained and visited one relative after another in their homes and. But he was pretty sad because he just didn't fit in yeah. with the old family. So he went back into the Missouri, and he apparently was drawn back to California during the years of the gold rush. And there's some belief that he was caught in a devastating snowstorm in the Sierra Nevadas. And years later, one of his sisters would say that this was the last she ever heard of him and that he had apparently died out, you know, either in the snow, snowstorm or at the hands of Indians. So here's a guy that was probably did as much as Jim Bridger, uh, John Coulter, Osborne Russell, Jeremiah Johnson, but again, nobody's ever heard of the guy, really, uh, even though he does have a written narrative about himself. Yeah, thanks for the break in the middle of the story, by the oh. way. <laughs> I'm sorry, Seb, I forgot all about You that. get to going, and you've been like you've been vaccinated with a phonograph needle. <laughs> <laughs> Must be the Coke, <laughs> Pepsi. <laughs> Hey, by the way, real quick, because I got I'm running out of time. What about Jacoba? Uh, don't know. Well, that's what you told me to remember, and now you don't know. I I don't know. I, I 
I don't know. <laughs> oh, my goodness. You just lead me on. I know. She's probably taking up the family tradition of chasing bears out of caves. Yes, that's probably what happened. <laughs> <laughs> that was a good story. I kept waiting for the break and waiting for the break and waiting for and the I break, but you just keep right on rolling. I just plum forgot. What can I say? <laughs> <laughs> well, oh, well, now, real quick, Dr. History. Dr-History.com. How's it coming? Real quick. I only got 30 seconds. Uh, we are up to about 56,000 hits in actually about 55 different countries. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> so we've had a lot of uh, hits, a lot of people. Uh, it's, it's been good. All right. Well, Dr. History, I tell you what, you did a great job on uh, Mr. Patty this morning and Jacoba. I've got it etched in my memory. Great, great story. Good to have you back. Bronze medal at the old Geezer's Olympics. I think it's fantastic. Uh, thank you, Zeb. Appreciate it. You're welcome, buddy. See you next All right, week. You have a good day. Thank you.